God. He's our provider. And he keeps providing for us. Amen. He keeps providing for us. He's a faithful, faithful, faithful God. Who keeps providing for us. Even when we don't deserve it. Even when we take it for granted. He still provides for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. Our God is worthy to be praised. Am I right? Yes, sir. Huh? Am I right about it? Yes, sir. Am I right about that? He is worthy, 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 worthy to be praised. Mm. And so, as we get ready to go into where he's going to lead us on today, I believe, we're going to just open our spirits to receive what he has to say on today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I humble myself before your presence, Lord God, recognizing that you are God. It is you who have made us. Is you have created us. It's you that sustains us. You, you're a keeper, God. Mm, you keep us sane in this insane world. You keep us normal in this abnormal world. Ah, thank you, God. So, God, I move, please move me out of myself right now, Jesus. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, and speak through me. I give way to you. Let me be a channel, a vessel of your word in this jar of clay, God. Mold us right now, Jesus. Speak to us. Let us hear what you are saying, Spirit. He that has an ear, let him hear. Let us hear you today, God. Not just touch you. Have an encounter with you on today, God. Yes, God. Yes. Ah, God. In the name of Jesus. That we might apply what you're going to teach us on today, God. Ah, renew us. Rejuvenate us. Restore us. Revive us again, God. Ah, for we all have fallen short of your glory. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The late Dr. Miles Monroe said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without reason. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's life without reason. And we are always quick to tell God what we need from him without hesitation or reservation, without giving a second thought about what he needs from us. Hmm. We always go to him, coming to draw on the needs that we have for, from him, never thinking about what he needs from us. I'm here to tell you that the God who created the heavens and the earth, who separated the light from the darkness, the land from the sea, the night from the day, the creator of all things, he has a need. Hmm. And that needs, we have it. And we can fulfill God's needs for once. I know I hear y'all, I hear y'all saying, well, God doesn't, he got everything. Yeah, he does. He created everything. Yes, he did. But he does have a need. And it's from us. Amen. Uh, he wants to use you to fulfill his need. He wants to use you to fulfill his need. But we get so caught up in what we need, we fail to realize or recognize or cast it aside that God does have a need. He needs you to discover your purpose so that you, so that he can use you to fulfill his need. He needs you to discover your purpose so that he can use you 
to fulfill his need. Hmm. Amen. Heard one preacher said like this. He said, every individual is called to a people, a place, or a purpose. Every individual is called to a people, a place, or a purpose. Everything in this life has a purpose. Yes. Purpose is really the only source of meaning. Because without purpose, life is an experiment. Or a haphazard journey that results in frustration disappointment, and failure. Without purpose, life is an experiment. Have, have an experience. Experiment. A journey that results in frustration, disappointment, and failure. I'm laying a foundation for us. Without purpose, life is subjective. It's a trial and error game that is ruled by environmental influences and circumstances of the moment. Amen. And in the absence of purpose, time, meaning the time that you were born, the time you live in until the time you leave here, has no meaning. <laughs> Without you discovering your purpose, it really don't mean much. You can accomplish a lot, but it don't mean much until you discover your God-given purpose. Amen? Amen. Mm. And so it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's, 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 it's essential that you don't go looking for it, but that you discover it. Yes, yes. Amen? Amen? When you start looking for it, you're going to miss it because you're looking through your eyes. But when you allow God to show you, you will discover it. And most times your purpose is bigger than what you can see. That's why you can't go looking for it. Because it can scare you <laughs> from doing what God needs you to do. Now, purpose is the original intent for the creation of a thing. God created you with a purpose in mind. Amen. It's his original intent for creating us as men. He created us in his likeness and in what? His image. Not just so that he could do it. But it was an original intent for the creation of us. Amen. Amen. And it's the original reason for our existence. Purpose is. Amen. It's an aspiration for the inspiration of our life. Purpose is. It's the aspiration of our inspiration. Amen. It's the destination that prompts our journey. <laughs> mm. It's the inspiration of our journey. <laughs> Amen. It's the expectation of the source, which is God. God expects us to discover our purpose. It's the expectation of our source. Our source is God. We are a resource. But God is our source. And it's his expectation that he called us out of, his, out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we could discover our purpose. Because God has a need. And he wants, you, he wants to use you to fulfill his need. So purpose is this. I'll just wrap it up in the title of the book. It's the original intent in the mind of God the creator that motivated him to create you. <laughs> Purpose is the original intent in the mind of God, the creator, that motivated him to create you. It's the original intent in the mind of God that motivated him to create you. Hmm. Purpose precedes production. So your purpose was already in you before you even discovered it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. Because a manufacturer makes a product with the purpose already in mind on the end. Yes. <laughs> he don't create the thing and then figure out the purpose. The purpose is already there when he's figuring, when he's creating whatever it is he's creating. 
the purpose is already in the end. Amen. It's just up to us to discover it. Amen. And I'll put it this way. God did not create you, send Jesus to die for you, call you out of darkness into his marvelous light, give you a gift or gifts so that you can turn around and sit on it. Amen. <laughs> no matter what the gift is, he didn't do all that so that you could turn around and sit on it. My pastor used to say, we can, we, we get all we can, we can all we get, and then turn around and sit on the can. <laughs> Amen. He created you for a purpose because he needs you to accomplish his will by establishing his kingdom in the earth. So we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now the apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to deal with the worldliness that had entered the church in Corinth. <laughs> He wrote it because of the worldliness that had already ended into the church of Corinth. Now, think about this. We look like we're in the church of Corinth right now, right? But Paul wrote this many, many, many years ago because of the worldliness that had entered that church. Amen. Corinth, or Corinth, was a, cosmic, a major cosmopolitan city. It was a seaport, a major trade center, and it was the most important center, the most important city in Achaia. The church was full of divisions, as well as gross immorality that was tolerated and even approved by the church. Mm, ain't, nothing, ain't nothing new under the sun. Right. Amen. It's just now more publicized and more prevalent because we have the internet, we have the news channel, we have social media. Nothing new under the sun. So Paul, he, he wrote this letter to address a, a variety of topics. He explained the importance of marriage. He wanted the Corinthians to understand the principle of spiritual freedom because some of them were holding fellow believers hostage to rules that no longer applied in the church age. In other words, it was bound. He, it, people were bounding people by religion. Even then. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he addressed the Lord's Supper, which the church was abusing. And he was also concerned about the people's excitement over spiritual gifts. So we'll pick up in verse number 1, chapter 12. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant or misinformed. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse or will curse Jesus. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts or different gifts or different kinds of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. And there are differences of administrations or different kinds of service, services, but the same what? Lord. Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in, worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of what? Wisdom. To another, the word of what? Knowledge. By the what? Same Spirit. To another, faith by what? The same to another, gifts of healings by the what? Same to, the, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirit. To another, diverse kinds of tongue. To another, the interpretation of the tongue. But all these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man liberally as he will. Now jump to verse number 27. Now you are the body of what? Christ. And members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments or leadership, diversities of tongues. Amen. 
God set all them in place where? In the church. Right? Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace. Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace. In other words, gifts are graces. Gifts are graces. Amen? Spiritual gifts are portions of God's grace. They gifts are graces. Spiritual gifts display the personal, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit and are given to every believer for the common good of the church. Gifts represents the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit given to given for the common good of the church, not the common good of the individual. Let that sink in. For the common good of the what? Church. Not the common good of the individual. Let me put it where you can get it. So that the individual can be puffed up. Like they are the gift. Right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But they're given to every believer. Even though there may be diversities of gifts, and this is not an exhaustive list, but they're given to every believer for the common good of the church. Right. Not the common good of self. Amen. Amen. Uh, gifts, even though some may be more dominant than others, are God's creative work in us. And the Holy Spirit gives us or brings us those gifts to minister in distinct circumstances. <laughs> That's why sometimes when you read in the Bible, where in the especially in the, throughout the Gospels and in the Book of Acts, where certain people needed certain things at certain times, and Jesus or whoever addressed their certain need mm -hmm. with a distinctive gift. Amen. Whenever you see a certain man, that means he had a certain need. Or a certain woman, that means she had a certain need that God was going to address with a spiritual gift. Amen? Amen. Your spiritual gift is not given to you to use willy-nilly. <laughs> or to just be showing off. In other words, you are given the gift or the gifts you have for a specific purpose. Amen? And he distributed these to you so that you can be used to minister in Jesus' name. Now, I'm not and then don't get it twisted. The gifts that God gives you, even though they're for the common good of the church, they are not limited for the church building. Because you heard the gifts of helps. Leadership. They are not to just be, even though they're for the good of the church, they are not to be held bound in the building of the church. In other words, the spiritual gifts that you have can be used out in the world. In fact, if you use them just right, you're going to point them back to Jesus anyway. Amen. <laughs> mm. And sometimes we have gifts that we get from God and we don't realize that it's God that gave us this gift so that we can discover it, so that we can use it outside these walls, at your job, in the grocery store, riding down the street, or whatever the case may be. Your spiritual gift, check this out, is not a badge of honor <laughs> or a sign of spiritual maturity. And your spiritual gift is something that you cannot earn. Amen. The name within itself says a gift is a gift. <laughs> Even from a worldly perspective, when someone gives you a gift, that, doesn't, that means you did not earn it. They gave it to you, right? Yes, sir. And that's the same thing with everything that God 
through the Holy Spirit gives us. It's a gift. Because there are graces, and what the grace is unmerited favor, right? It's something that we can't earn. It's something that God gives. Y'all all right? So the bottom line is this. Your gift is not about you. It's not about you. God wants to use you, but you must put yourself in position to be used by God. <laughs> so once you discover your purpose, you have to be in, put yourself in the position so that God can use that gift that he gave you to fulfill the need that he has. Amen? Amen. So number one, you got to surrender to God's perfect will. To position yourself to be used by God to fulfill God's need, you have to surrender to God's will. Amen. <laughs> that, come, think about it. You have to surrender to God's will to fulfill the need that God has by you discovering the purpose so that he can use you to fulfill his need because it's his gift that he gave you anyway. And so in order for you to use that gift, you have to be willing to surrender to his will. If you aren't willing to surrender to his will, he cannot use you no matter how gifted you are. <laughs> to, 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 to fulfill the need that he has. You can use that gift in, to fulfill your own need, but it won't fulfill his need. So you need to surrender to God's what? Perfect will. Let's go to Galatians chapter 20. Let's dig in the word a little bit. <laughs> My first lady had something to say. I seen her praise. <laughs> it took all she could to hold back. Amen. <laughs> Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse number 20 to 21a. Galatians chapter 2. Yes. Verse 20. Verse 21. And verse 21a. It says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who did what? Loved me. And did what? Part A of verse 1 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. This is Apostle Paul again talking. Yeah. I do not frustrate what? The grace of God. Why the world is a battlefield in case you hadn't noticed it. Yeah. And since the fall of man in the garden of Eden the world that God created has been in conflict with him. Yeah. And even us as believers are in conflict. <laughs> I'm trying to think of this illustration that Bishop T.D. Jakes used. Uh, let me see where it is. I'm going to find it. Second Corinthians. Ooh. To show you, give me an example of conflict. I can find it. Okay. Chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. To give us an illustration conflict. It's a good illustration. He said, <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul. He's in conflict. The spirit and the soul are in conflict. Verse 8 says, we are troubled on every side. That's what the soul says. But the spirit says, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. That's what the soul says. But the spirit says, but not in despair. We are persecuted. That's what the soul says, but not forsaken. We are cast down. That's what the soul says. But the spirit says what? But not destroyed. Amen. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ of the Lord Jesus, that the life also in Jesus might also be made manifest in our bodies. For we 
which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, so, but life in you. Amen? Amen. There was a conflict. Yes. Amen. We are pressed down, but, but not what? Destroyed. There's a conflict just like since the fall, the world, the earth has been in conflict with God. Amen. And according to 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Satan is called the God of this world. And due to Adam's fall, we are born on his team. <laughs> you have nothing to do with getting on the God small g of this world's team because of the conflict or because of the fall that Adam's, Adam and Eve did, which caused the conflict with God. Amen. Amen. Psalm 51 and 5, New King James says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. In other words, all of us are born with a sin nature. Hmm. Though we may get saved in our spirit may be born again, our soul still didn't get that memo yet. Because <laughs> And your soul is made up your mind, will, and your emotions. Your mind, will, and your emotions want to do their own thing sometimes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All of us is born with a sin nature. Now we are surrendering to God's perfect will. Surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to a conqueror. When an opposing army surrenders, they lay down their arms and the winners take control from then on. Surrendering to God works in the same way. God has a plan for your life and surrendering to him means that you set aside your plan and you eagerly seek his. But seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added. When you surrender to God's perfect will, that means you exchange your plans and take his plans because when you make your plans, God starts laughing at you. <laughs> Amen. The good news about God's plan is he always has your best interest in mind. Jeremiah 29, 11, New King James says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, <laughs> says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's plans always include a best outcome for you yes. in the end. Amen. And when you try to do it your way or our way, when we try to do it our way, we usually end up in the ditch. Or we're on a path to destruction. Amen. Absolutely. God, your heavenly father, is a wise victor in that he conquers you to bless you. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> he is a wise victor. Mm -hmm. He conquers you so that he can bless you. Yes. Isn't it worth surrendering to God's will? Yes. Doing it God's way. Yes. Following God's plan being conquered by him because in the end he does it so that he can do what? Bless you. Yes. Hallelujah. God's got my back. God he got your back. Amen. Yes. Amen. And front and, and side and top and bottom. He's got you covered. Yes. Hallelujah. It's just up to us to dwell in that secret place. <laughs> of the most high. Yes. And abide under the shadow of the Almighty, El Shaddai. God's got you covered. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, gas prices are high. God's got us covered. Food prices are going up. God's got us covered. <laughs> Energy bills going up. God's got us covered. Now, it might not be easy, but just hold tight to your faith. I told you that at the beginning of the year. Amen. God told us to hold tight to our faith. Don't let go now. Yeah, you might have to cut back, but don't give up now. 
You might have to go to A to B, back to A, but don't give up now. Hold tight to your faith because God is a wise victor because he conquers you so that he can bless you. Some people have it backwards. They want to be blessed before they get conquered. <laughs> but God wants to bless you. So he wants to he wants to conquer you so that he can. And there's three there's different levels of surrender, but it all affects your relationship with God. The initial surrender to the Holy Spirit leads you to your salvation. And that's when you let go of your own attempts to earn God, God's favor and rely on Jesus' finished work. Amen? But there are greater times of surrender during your life as a believer that brings you into deeper intimacy with God. Amen? And greater power in service. This is the key I want you to hear. The more areas that you surrender in your life, the more room there is for the filling of the Holy Spirit. The more you empty yourself up by surrendering to his will, the more infilling of the Holy Spirit that you get. That means when you empty out that part that can empty out, the Holy Spirit can fill it. Hallelujah. Hmm. Hmm. The more areas in your life you surrender to him, the more room there is for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And when you are filled, and not when you get totally filled, as you continue to get filled by the Holy Spirit, the more fruit you begin to produce. Yes. <laughs> purpose. As you walk in your purpose, by giving away to the Spirit, the more the fruit of the Spirit shows up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. The more you surrender to God, the more your old self-worshipping nature is replaced. Let me say this. The more you surrender to God, that means the more of your old self-worshipping nature is being replaced by His Spirit yeah. to one that resembles Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Amen? The more you surrender to God and the more your old self-worshipping nature is replaced by his spirit, the more you resemble Jesus. He saved us to fill us with the spirit so that we would be more and more like Jesus. The image of his son. So that when he sees us, he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, the more apt God is, is going to let the, the more apt God will be to allow his gifts to flow through you for a distinct purpose. Because God ain't going to let down his son. You won't let down your children if you can, right? You do all you can to help them out. You will give them your very, very, very last or do without so that they can have. That's the same way God does us. When we get more filled with the Holy Spirit and look more like Jesus, he don't want to let us down. He will give us his last. But God's last is a new beginning. <laughs> it's not a period, it's a comma. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man, he's a limitless God. <laughs> the goal of your normal Christian life can be summed up where we begin in Galatians 2.20 and verse 21a. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body I live by faith in, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Therefore, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, the unmerited favor of God. 
I don't invalidate his grace. I don't nullify his grace. Why? Because now I've received his whole life in me. And now the life that I live, it represents him. When you surrender your will for his will. When you surrender God's perfect will, it is pleasing to God, which results in a well-pleasing life, which will lead to these words when you enter eternity. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Surrender to his will. So that you can hear him say, come on in. I don't want to get there and hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. I didn't want to go through all this hell down here on this earth. <laughs> to end up going into eternity, into eternal hell. That's too much hell for me. <laughs> A sermon said, ain't nothing, ain't nothing in hell I want or something like that. <laughs> so number one, you got to surrender to the perfect will. Number two, you got to stir up your gift. And this is really important. Once you discover your gift and you have already surrendered to his will, times are going to make you, there are times when you have to stir up your gift. Just because you got a gift of God and you discover it and give for gifts and you discover it and you're walking in the purpose that God's called you does not mean the devil ain't going to try to dull your gift. In fact, you attract his, 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 his eye, the devil's eye. Because when you're anointed, you're painted with a fragrance that attracts the devil. You put the bullseye on you. But it's worth it to give myself to God. So you need to stir up your gifts. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Y'all okay? I got woke up about 4 o'clock this morning. <laughs> and I couldn't hide that. Even though I had the basis of it, it hadn't stuck to me yet. And I got woke up. And he starts stick, sticking it to me. I had to get up and repent. Because <laughs> this number two, especially, stir up the gift that's in you. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, or beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also, that it's in you anyway. It's in you too. Amen, in other words. Wherefore, put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. Now, the Greek word translated stir up denotes the kindling of a fire to resuscitate a fire by using a bellow. Now, a bellow, if you've ever seen it uh, by a fireplace, a bellow is used to blow some air out. And what that does is stir up some kindling so that the fire will start over again. All right? Air can be used to start a fire but air can also be used to put out a fire. Amen? 
Anyone who has tended or seen a campfire knows that stirring up the glowing embers of a dying fire can cause those embers to flame up again and even burn even more brightly. Paul was encouraging Timothy to see to it that he didn't let his spiritual gift grow cold through disuse. Hmm? Let me put it this way. You can let the winds of the world put your fire out. Or you can use the wind of the Holy Spirit to rekindle your flame. You can let the winds of the world put your fire out. Or you can use the wind of the Holy Spirit to rekindle your flame. That's what he told me this morning. You can let the situations and the circumstances that you are facing, that you are going through, both here at the church and outside in the community and the, and the NAACP and all of that. You can let the winds of the world put your fire out or you can let the Holy Spirit rekindle that fire. I say, yes, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> I'm going to let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow over me. So that the fire of God can rise up in me. So that I can stir up the gift that's within me. God, you called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. To rekindle this fire. Amen. And I'm not just about ready to let it die. Amen. All right, Pastor. You need to stir up your gift. Whatever that gift is. Whatever that gift is. Yet to be discovered, you need to stir it up so that the winds of this world don't put that fire out. That's right. Hmm. My God. Amen. 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 And how do you stir it up? You stir up your gift by using it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and you do it through using godly discipline, which produces. The fruit of God's nature. Here goes that word fruit again. The fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to read it this time. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, New King James says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You stir up your gift. Until fruit is starting to be shown. Yes. Because it's a gift that comes through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. And when these fruits start showing up, then you know you're operating in the gift of God. Right. Amen? Yeah. A, B is, you stir up your gift by not letting your spiritual self grow cold or worse, lukewarm. Mm. I want you to turn to these scriptures. Go to Revelation. Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ that John got, chapter 3. Not revelations, but revelation. It's one revelation. <laughs> Amen. That came to John, give it to him through Jesus Christ. Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write. Well, I'm sorry. Let's go to verse 14. I'm sorry. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. Or I know all the things you do, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work, or I wish that you were cold or hot. Amen. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold or nor hot, I will spew you or spit you or vomit you out of my what? Out of my mouth. Lukewarm water makes a disgusting drink. Let that lay there. Because if you're not cold nor hot, that means you're lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And what did God say? He will spit you, spew you, vomit you out of his mouth. 
In other words, you make God sick. Stir up that gift. Don't let yourself get cold. Or worse, lukewarm. <laughs> he would rather, rather that you be cold. Then lukewarm. Amen. You stir up your gift by continuing to keep step with the Spirit and following His direction and guidance in every part of your life. You stir up your gift by not quenching or neglecting the spirit, but allowing him to thrive in you like a blazing fire. He intends, God intends that you develop and that you keep fresh and vibrant the gifts he provides for the benefit of others. This is really important. Because you will be held accountable for it. You think you're getting away by sitting on your gift? By not doing what God purpose you to do, whether it's cleaning the toilet or whether it's ushering down the aisles or whether it's deacon and peace and pastor peace, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, you're going to be held accountable for it. Now, you may slide in, <laughs> but I ain't going to take that chance. Amen. Stir up the gifts that's within you. Amen. And last one, you need to do this. Stir, serve the Lord with gladness. Don't make it a treasury to serve the Lord. Don't think it's some heavy weight to serve the Lord. It's heavy as weight because glory is weighty. But don't make it a weight that bounds you up or keep right. you bound to so that you don't think you can move. Right. You need to serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Let's go to Psalm. And this is my last scripture for today, I believe. Psalm 100, the old 100, <laughs> as they call it. And it's verse number two. And he says, serve the Lord with what? Bless. Come before his presence with what? Bless. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come before his presence with what? Singing. Amen. Serve comes from the Hebrew word abad, which means work for, serve, do labor for, to be a servant of, or to worship. It's a servant is generally someone who acts at the bidding of a superior. The most significant bearer of this designation is the messianic servant of the Lord in Isaiah 42. Abad appears in several names which among them are Obed-Edom, which means servant of Edom. Abednego, which is a servant of Nego. And Obadiah, which means servant of Yah, Y-A-A. Yah is the shorter form of God's holy name, Yahweh, or Jehovah. Many references of the Psalms involve the compound word, Hallelujah, which means Praise the Lord. Or, and it literally means, you must praise Yah. Why is that important to be a servant? Psalm 35 and 27 says this, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Remember earlier, he conquers you to bless you. He takes pleasure in his servant to lead them to prosperity. Not just financially, but health-wise. Or, or, or keeping that thing from you that was designed to take you out that you didn't even know about. Those hidden dangers that are seen and those ones that are unseen. That bullet that was designed to take you out, but yet God kept you in. Yes. Yes. When you slept in slumber last night, that thief that was supposed to break in your house couldn't because you had some great big angels wrapped around it. Hallelujah. 
Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Sweep the floor with what? Gladness. Walk the walk with what? Gladness. Teach with gladness. Preach with gladness. Play with gladness. Serve the Lord. Stir up your gift. Use your gift. And serve him with gladness. Praise God. Praise God. You position yourself to fulfill God's need when you surrender to his perfect will, when you stir up your gift, and when you serve him with gladness. That way you position yourself to fulfill God's need for a change. Purpose. <laughs> By discovering your purpose. The original intent in God's mind for creating you in the first place. <laughs> Let's let that marinate for a minute. And hopefully, like it did me, it'll rekindle the fire that's within you. Just because you discover your purpose, don't mean you're going to be perfect. But you've got to go out there and do it anyhow. Because the next verse <laughs> in Timothy, we ain't going there. It's what? God did not give you the spirit of fear, <laughs> but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's verse number seven. He was talking to Timothy to go out and preach the word of God. Do what God calls you to do. And he's telling us that same thing. God wants to use you. To fulfill his need. Can you fathom that? He want, the great God from on high wants to use little old you and me to fulfill a need that he has to establish the kingdom of God in the earth even though the earth is falling. That's a that's a that's a lot of It's a privilege. Yes. That Jesus died for. So that we can be brought back into right relationship. He hung blood and died on that cross so that we can be brought right into right right relationship and went to that grave for three days so that he can rise again. So that we can, so he can send the Holy Spirit to back so that he can gift us. Mm. Praise God for his word. Hallelujah. I'm done. Amen. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Thank God for his word. <laughs>